I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Treehouse, episode 16. Jayla, bring me water. With Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Very good morning to everybody. Here we go again with another two hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. And uh, the two-hour thing may become a... Uh, it's, it's our aim, it's our dream. It is. It may become a reality. Uh, because today, for the first time, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to announce an ad break. Now, the audience are, oh, no, but that, come on. Hey, we, we, it's, it's, it's highly, makes all the difference It's to us. highly unlikely we'd have got together, you know, without these microphones and everything else. And by the way, and I always like to start a podcast by berating the audience. I find that's, that's the thing mm. to do. People who are going to bellyache about this, they, they used to, over at the BBC, we used to disappear for a quarter of an hour oh. while they went to the Indonesian Formula One heats. <laughs> you know, and, and we, here we are trying to earn an honest crust. Uh, but the thing I've decided to do with this... OK. And I know this is strictly something we should have had a meeting about off the air. But uh, I listen to some of these podcasts. Let me put that another way. I don't listen to any other podcasts, but I presume... It, Halfway through, they say, we'll be right back. We're not going to do that. No? No, we're going to be like Monty Python and the credits. It'll turn up somewhere in the show. It may start, you know, could go to it now if we wanted. (coughs) But we're going to, uh, there will be, don't panic, don't panic. Uh, There will be an ad break. And uh, and then then we'll all convene again. Yeah, that's fine. Because the BBC, we used to disappear for ages. That's the thing. No weather, no travel. No disrespect there, Pebs. But (laughs) there is much to be done. Much to be done. And I think the last time we were together, apologies. Just for missing one, it was absolutely unavoidable. But uh, the last time, what didn't we? Um, yes, we did. We, we reviewed. Oh, I reviewed gavels. I you read. You did review gavels. Actual, look, and I've got one. Oh, splendid! Actual gavels. Uh, if you go onto Amazon and they they do the most unlikely things in it. Anvils. Now you need to order a block for your gavel. I need a block. I do need a block. Although. Gentlemen of the jury, you can't hang this man. There's me gavel. So last time we, um, to ease everyone into the show, we read out some amusing reviews that people have left, in all seriousness, for gavels. Making the wrong noise was a a very good complaint. Oh, wasn't it? One that smelled. My genius (laughs) nephew, Harry, who's a leading DJ, uh, Harrison Holt, uh, he listens to the show. What a good, loyal nephew. he's, He's like 16 or something. And he said, oh, he said, your gavel thing, I really enjoyed it. He said, but you missed uh, something there, the advert for a gavel. I said, what do you mean, the advert? He said, well, if I sold gavels... Now, this is, this is why he's my nephew. If I sold gavels, you'd say, best gavels in Britain. You be the judge. Oh! Harrison Holt. 
Anyway, we can't give credit out. There's enough to getting the show going without dispersing the uh, glory. But uh, so I looked up, as I always do, the old flashlight peps into uh, anniversaries and birthdays oh, yes. today that otherwise get ignored. Well, we're February. And now, the first one stopped me in the tracks, and I thought, that's it. There is, there's the show. Up to a point. If you've not heard it before, we get going in a sec. Mm. And we have callers and everything. <laughs> that, mm. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't happened in 16 shows, but let's try. Uh, 1824, mm. the first rubber galoshes appeared. Oh, now? Nah, ha, go on, Peps. You're going to pick. I know, I know. Go on. What is a galosh? Exactly. And nobody says it anymore. I mean, it was interchangeable with the Wellington boot. Yes. But uh, but galoshes. It's not a wader. No, in, in if you read um, E. Nesbitt or even Enid Blyton books, mm. they, wore, they didn't wear Wellington boots. Galoshes. Have you got your galoshes? It was very much a genteel thing. Galoshes. Is it a welly boot or is it yeah, it's different? an overshoe. They're sometimes called Dickerson's. Gum boots. Oh, now I like the sound of a Dickerson. These were all... Or, anyway, Gummo Marks, the Marks brother who never appeared in any film, was known for his gum shoes. Uh, a very... We may do a whole thing on gum shoes with one ad break. Possibly, <laughs> that'd be brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> the advert was for galoshes. But the word galoshes is the thing. So I went into all of this. Uh, there are two novels called *The Galoshes of Fortune* by uh, Hans Christian Andersen. There was a film in Czechoslovakia called *The Magic Galoshes*. Uh, James Joyce, *The Dead*. His book, The Dead, has a whole discussion about galoshes. I don't waste my time away from the student. No, but uh, it's... Where, why did they fall out of use, then? If they were, if, if, if these big names were writing about them... You say fall out of use? Have you been on Amazon recently? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Go on Amazon and look up galoshes. Sorry, I'm just moving this light, because I feel like... Yes, yeah, you're being interrogated a, in yeah. the police station. Carry on. Go on Amazon, everyone, and look up galoshes and see the reviews. Needed to be broader at the toes. <laughs> Disappointing. One star. Oh. The best I have found. Perfect. I will wear them when I attend pipe band contests. We should have done what are these reviews for? Oh, man. <laughs> I cannot put them over my shoes. They fit over my feet, but that's not the point. Ah, so that, that's, the that's clarity. Yeah, yeah the overshoes. <laughs> that's not the point. They fit over my feet. That means he tried to put them over. He couldn't get them over his shoes. I wanted to just go over my feet. Looked at them. No, I'm going to... Got the keyboard. I'm going to show them. The soles are incredibly slippery. I have to. T I have taken four falls while wearing these. Oh, no! <laughs> Actually, it says four big falls. Oh, that's a galoshes disaster. Are, uh, uh, um, and then there's no competition. Nothing comes close to these galoshes. Oh! This is not one particular galosha. There are loads on there. Uh, and, and then this one, which I don't... I can't quite understand it, but uh, my grasp of German is enough to know this is not a good review. Gingen sehr schnell, kaputt zweisessen. Two stars, two stars, kaputt. Kaputt und schnell. So today we salute the galosha and, uh, uh, by the way, there were politicists. Uh, Khrushchev made a big deal about them and he politicised them uh, in the Battle for Modesty campaign in the 1950s. Rubber 50s. footwear rubber footwear was socialist, leather footwear was decadent and was derided. It was only when Brezhnev came in that he pardoned leather shoes and today rubber boots have much the same role in the Russia as they do in other countries. That's right off Wikipedia. So that's pardoned. what we're doing. Most famous Wellington boots, stroke galoshes, would you say? Paddington's. Yes, exactly that. Paddington's. It is. What else are we doing this morning, Peps? At number one, pluses and minuses of your parents' jobs. No. Number two, what have you sat upon? <laughs> 
Number three, now why would anyone steal that? Number four, have you had a song or a phrase that has dogged you your whole life Man, because of a, your name? We've got a few of those. Old Danny boy over there. Uh-huh. Uh, number five, surprises that went all wrong. Surprise, so all of these, and um, whenever you listen to the show, don't think it falls into the, uh, well, the growing pile over here that we <laughs> we get round to, and it, it, fantastically, uh, we get m- incredible responses to these, and when I use that in, in every sense, um, they strain credibility. No, they, uh, <laughs> they're, they're all good, and here we are just for the... 40-odd minutes we uh, tried to distract you from the wicked world. But these songs that absolutely uh, dog people, we find one here. This is this oh, is peculiar. I could do you a quick one. Go on, then. Uh, Desmond. Obla dee, obla da, because of Desmond and his barrow <laughs> in the marketplace. I didn't figure that out straight away. Of course it is. Uh, this is this. Well, I gave you a rendition of this because I skimmed. As we say, it, it, whatever email you ever send us, we guarantee will be skimmed over by an unpaid intern. Uh, but I saw this one myself. Dave Moole gets in touch. My name is Moole, like Moule Marinier. Oh. But everyone pronounces it Mole. And then they go, I am a mole oh. and I live in a hole. He sucks a thoughtful tooth. And you said that's the only bit of it you knew, didn't yes, you? Yes, it is. And to which I, from nowhere, pulled out after 50-odd years of... Uh, from the, the dark recesses the whole of your memory. Song, the whole song. Here's another one. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to do the adverts just now. I almost had a thing to do an advert then, but we'll, we'll get our feet on the floor first. My wife and I have been dogged by one song since we married 19 years ago. My wife's name is Paula. Mine is Paul. So, Hey Paula by Paul, and Paula is sung to us everywhere we go. Hey, hey, Paula. The thing is, neither of us have heard this track played in full. What? It, it predates us by... Well, you don't, That's very incurious of you, if everyone sings it to you. That's true. That's true. I'd go off and give it a try. You thought it might, might have been the first dance at, at, yes, at the, no, at the wedding. Very knowing. We've never heard this song, believe it or not. Lovely little speech. If everyone needs any help with their wedding speeches, that's the sort of thing. Uh, anyway, he's never heard it. Predates us by ten years. Uh, all we know is that uh, there is reference of people singing the first verse to us and think they're being original. Our joint reaction is to stare at the serenader with bewilderment. That's rotten. <laughs> Once we met Alexi Sale at a book signing in Leeds and he sang a good part of the song to us. We just stared at him and then he apologised, saying, bet you get that all the time. I don't think either of us want to hear that song because we feel a little bit of mystery in our marriage would disappear. That's, oh, OK, that's right, fair enough. But thing is, uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, Paul and Paula... Uh, there is a, an answer song to it called Ooh. Hey Paul. Uh, there's Hey Paula and then the answer song, and I love answer songs. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, Carol, which Neil Sedaka wrote for Carol King. Yes. Oh, Carol. She then wrote O'Neill. Did but, she? Yeah, and it wasn't a hit. Well, that but, wasn't uh, a you hit. Go on, you go on yeah, your YouTube and that you'll find O'Neill, and there is Hey Paul. Uh, this is, this is, and I don't usually read out glowing encomiums. No, you, you know, love the show. I appreciate when people put it, but but this is rather nice. Uh, I always associate your old show on Five Live with doing DIY jobs on a Saturday between 9 and 11. (laughs) My big DIY job last weekend was plastering a garage ceiling because I'd had to rescue our pet hamster from inside it. Oh, I binged on the podcast, thank you very much, and emerged from the garage with no concept of time and plastered, had plastered the ceiling. In my head, I thought it was 11am on Saturday morning. It was five o'clock and dark outside. Uh, let this be a warning to all your listeners trying to recreate <laughs> the rhythm of their usual Saturday. Well, this is the new sheriff in town now. What have you got there, Peps? Well, 
nothing to do with our subjects. Teddy football. <laughs> we asked for names for your um, dolls and toys. Yes, uh, names of the. the and uh, this is an epic from Jim. Tangentially related to your action figure football story, my little brother and I did a similar thing with soft toys. We had two small plastic goals and a small soft football and the dining room where the table could be moved aside to create the pitch. We found we had enough soft toys to start a league and thus our world of Teddy football was born. Aim of the game being to essentially hit the ball with the Teds into the goal. A few minutes per half, end swapped and most goals at the end wins. However, the rules became surprisingly complex. One toy per hand, no throwing toys into the path of the ball and any time the ball hit our bodies rather than the toys, this was a handball with a free quick kick awarded. Four toys, each team and one substitute available from the rest of the squad. Then we got tactical. We discovered large panda would be a decent keeper, for example. Equally, Small Pig was a fantastic striker because you could get a really decent bit of swing of the firmly gripped toy in good contact. Then each toy was given a transfer value (laughs) based on attributes and suitability. Eight team names were created, unfortunately I can't remember them, and each team had a budget. Toys were lined up at the start of the season and auctioned in sequence. See, I don't play um, uh, online uh, football. Oh, fancy football, the, yeah. The manager things and all of that. Oh, but, yeah, but, yeah. but this is this is in microcosm what's happened to football here because they are selling back in, in kit form over the air this sort of thing that you can easily do had you retained all your childhood toys. The big question did you spend all your money on Big Panda to fill the goal or gamble on Fluffy Duck who did a decent job in defence? Teams played each other and the league table was tracked in an A4 ring binder keeping track of the roster and budget. Page two. (laughs) Each toy was given their nationality so they could have call-ups for Teddy World Cup and Brazil are still the holders. But my favourite part was that it led to us scouring charity shops every weekend to find the next Teddy football star, like an international scouting network. Any number of discarded toys were given a home on the off chance they were a 30 goals a season striker. (laughs) And I can still picture my dad's face when packing the car for the family holiday to Wales to find we had a suitcase full of teddy bears and the plastic goals to take Teddy football on tour. By the way, Fluffy Duck is still above my bed and I'm 35. See, I'm not for one of those who keeps old toys. Mm. Uh, And in sitcoms, they always make a tremendous mistake, and in dramas, when someone goes home to their parents' house, having, you know, reached their 30s, they go to their old bedroom and it's still got all their toys around (laughs) and things hanging off the ceiling and posters up of, you know, 70s groups. Nobody does that. Some kind of shrine. They always go up to their old bedroom and it looks like they've walked away from it. Nobody surely keeps their bedroom as they kept it. I am still outraged that to hear... Because my room became one of the spare bedrooms Mm. and then it became my eldest niece Lauren's room. And now one of the, the littler ones goes, oh, that's Lauren's room. I'm like, excuse you, me, I, I think you're I fine. I can see that. I can see that in time. I think you'll find, if you open that wardrobe over there, there is still a poster of Hugh Grant on the inside. Is it, that's not to say I don't celebrate, you know, as we do. <laughs> I mean, we were talking and we were saying about, uh, I think we are talking about play, oh, Pixie Up Dropsy. Oh, we've oh got, yeah. I've got mm. to get around to more of these. People have been getting in touch with uh, uh, games and regional variations on them. But, and I won't, because I don't know if he wants me to read his name out, because he's got kids and they hear this as well, because it's a drug story. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I think we call him the grey man for now. And he sent this to me directly, because uh, he said you were talking about, uh, you know, children's adventure playgrounds and mm. stuff. Well, I'll, re- I'll read you what he's given us and you can make your own moral judgment on it. 
Many years ago, I was probably 16 or 17 at the time, one of my best friends and his family moved out to Kent. This was great because it gave us city kids somewhere to escape at the weekend. We had a great time, cycle after school, finish on a Friday and go home Sunday nights. My chum's mum and dad didn't mind and we'd all doss down in his living room. The life of Riley. Behind his house was, to us at the time, a huge wood and would wander off into it and smoke a bit of dope and generally goof about. But once in a while, we'd get something a little different from a trusted source, my mate's stepdad. And this particular weekend, we had some acid. Uh-oh. As in LSD. We tramped off to the woods. The sun was starting to set and we wolfed down our, quote, treat. Things were fine. Life took on the pleasant glow of the altered world we'd entered and we watched the dying rays of the sun giving their now enhanced light show. But after a while, a big old storm came rolling in. Huge, heavy black clouds dominated and the air was charged with the upcoming electricity. The rain began to pummel us as we made our way out of the woods. And then it happened. The first bolt of lightning across the sky. The whole world took on an eerie blue light and it looked beautiful. We didn't know what to do next. We knew by being in the woods in the storm it was dangerous, but in our altered state, we just had to watch the storm unfold. Then it came to us. Let's go to the children's play park and watch it from there. This is extraordinary. It was amazing. Fault lightning zipping across the black sky, tremendous thunderclaps that made us jump, and the rain was cold, so cold it hurt our faces to look up. Then one of us had possibly the greatest idea ever. Let's watch it laying on the roundabout while it's going round <laughs> and round and round. And so the four of us gave the old wooden roundabout a good push and we all lay back, heads towards the centre, and watched the greatest live show you can possibly imagine. We laughed and cried at the spectacle we were witnessing and I can honestly say that that night was one of the best nights I've ever had. Four great friends, nature's wonder and some really good acid. Now, you see, I'm five live, quite right that you can't read that out. And I don't, you know, I speak, and I promise we can now get around to all these, we've got a call and everything. I, uh, it's in one of the books, uh, The Disaster, where me and Danny Kelly, <laughs> Danny Kelly, Danny, we're going to Amsterdam, we're going to get stoned, because we'd never <laughs> smoke dope. Now, two ex-enemy writers been around <laughs> rock and roll, you'd think, I won't tell the story now, but we've never <laughs> smoked dope, and I still haven't to this day. So we thought we'd, and if it's in one of the books, and on a slow show, I'll tell the full <laughs> Abbott and Costello meets Laurel and Hardy meet the Marx Brothers, meet the Rich Brothers, uh, meet, meet the Stooges, what happened to us. But the plan was we were going to, because we both hit 50, and we were going to, this is it now, stand back, everyone, we're going to smoke dope. <laughs> so we thought we'd go to Amsterdam. Of course. Anyway, it didn't work out well, and it was a disaster. Uh, but the further on that plan, and forgive me here, because I'd, I've read so many things over the years about LSD and you see people say, man alive, you don't know what's going on. And there's a clip on YouTube of an astronaut's wife in the 1950s who they were trying oh, this stuff on. Yeah, and she is every bit an astronaut, a bit of black and white footage from a, a facility. And she's there saying, OK, I'm going to do this. And she is as buttoned up, she looks like the president's wife. And she's sitting there in a literally twin set and pearls. And they give her a droplet of it and then they just film her. And she's chatting and then she goes very quiet. And then within minutes, it's on YouTube. She's saying, but can't you see it? 
can't you see it? And she does as if she's uh, 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 doing a glissando on a harp. She goes, look at it move. Look, at, I, oh, I feel so sorry for you. You can't see this. But it's, and she's, and you think, wow. All right, yes, yes, for every one of those, you've, you know, you've got your Sid Barrett, but, and your Peter Green, but, so me and Danny Kelly decided... Oh, man. Right, once Couldn't we, we film this for a documentary? We, once, we, once we'd smoked dope in Amsterdam, we were going to get a boat on the Norfolk Broads, because I was happiest as a kid on the Norfolk Broads, and take acid on the Norfolk Broads, <laughs> on a boat. The On floors. the Norfolk Broads. <laughs> but after the fiasco of Amsterdam, we quietly shelved it. But now we realise in a thunderstorm, uh, thank in you very much, uh, in a kid's playground... I'm sorry you had to hear portions of that, but uh, that's absolutely true. And we never got, and still we see each other. Are we going to do this or not? Says Danny. I said, No, we're not going to get a boat into the middle of the Norfolk Broad and take acid. We're both in our 60s. You know, <laughs> settle down, Ken Kesey. It's fine. Uh, what you got over there, Peps? We've got Ian on the line. Hey, Ian. Good morning. Let me ask you a straight question, Ian. Have you ever dropped acid? <laughs> 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 Have you ever dropped acid, Ian? Seriously? No, I haven't. Me no, neither, no. me neither. But do you think we can walk this veil of tears and, and get to the end of it and say, you really didn't? What do you think we grew those mushrooms for? What, are you crazy? You know, St Peter may look at you askance through his lorgnette. Oh, St Peter's got a lorgnette. Uh, so, uh, uh, good morning, Ian. What have you got what for us? <laughs> what have you got for us, Ian? <laughs> The mention of uh, he, he couldn't switch it off. On, oh, on okay. Yes, my friend. Yes, so my friend. Mm-hmm. Brought, brought back a memory from uh, from probably back in the nineties. I think this was. Uh, in, I'm yeah. going to hold it there. Hey, everyone. Yeah. Here's an advert. See, that's the way to do it. Frighten the life out of people. Sorry, Ian. You were saying what? Yeah, this is uh, he couldn't switch it off. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned on the, on the last show. This is uh, happened, uh, I think, back in the nineties. A friend of mine, uh, Alan, he's he's one of those people that, that things just happen to. I think we've all got a friend. <laughs> like oh, that. mate! I've, oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw my live shows. The last one when I spoke about uh, my mate Peter King, I gave four examples, each one more ludicrous <laughs> yeah. than the last. Yes, Pete. I'm there. I was in Southend. Oh, I'm, there you I'm go. Actually... You know my wife broke her ankle. You know my wife broke her ankle that night in Southend. Yeah. That's right. She broke. Yes. She broke. Well, thanks. Thanks for tripping her over. That's what I'm saying. Ian. <laughs> uh, but so there you are. And it, 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 he couldn't turn it off. It always happens to him. What happened? Um, so he, he was working for uh, MFI at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now defunct. Uh, he was selling kitchens. Oh. Um, and he'd had a he'd had a busy busy morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he nipped out back in the warehouse for a, for a coffee or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the warehouse lads were, were there. And one of them had proudly brought in this go kart that he'd uh, I don't know, purchased. <laughs> and, um, he brought it into work. He, he brought it. Yeah. That's got to be a subject. It's got to be a subject. It's got to be a subject. Perhaps the most unusual thing anyone's ever brought into work: a go kart. Number one, a go kart. Mm-hmm. These warehouses are a vast sort of space, you know, vast areas of space. Uh, so mm. he brought it in, and they, all the all the lads were sort of having a go around the warehouse. <laughs> um, so he, he said, he said to Alan, "Do you fancy a go?" He said, oh, yeah, no, definitely. And uh, at this point, uh, Alan's not a driver, no. so he's probably uh, his driving skills are probably limited uh, be, to like, be, the dodgems. Be fair here, Ian. The... Ian, be fair here. We drive go-karts when we're eight years old. I don't <laughs> you don't particularly need an HGV licence for them, but OK, yeah. <laughs> So he jumped in and uh, sort of undaunted by his, uh, his lack of lack of uh, knowledge for driving, and uh, he's whizzing round this. Uh, he's, do- he's done a few laps of the warehouse, and then it sort of dawned on him he doesn't know how to stop it. Mm. 
um, uh, he said to me that he said, I don't know how fast he was going, but <laughs> when you're that low, when you're that low to the ground, it feels like you're going about 100 mm. miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so he's whipping round. He's getting a little bit panicky. So he thinks, well, I'll just have to aim at the at the wall at the side of the the warehouse, and yeah. that was stop me. So he did that, expecting that to uh, to work. But then warehouses, they're sort of made, basically made of sort of uh, corrug- lumps of corrugated iron. Sort you're not, of, uh, you're not, gonna, you're not going to tell me. Carry on, what? It, he hit the he hit the wall. <laughs> it flipped up like like I can imagine the uh, the traps at the uh, at the dog track <laughs> flipping up. Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> He's now driving around the car park of MFI <laughs> in the, the go-kart. Narrowly, narrowly missed the kit in the couple we just uh, sold 10 grand's worth of kitchens to 15 minutes earlier. <laughs> Was able to give them a cheery wave as he went by. Um, so he's out in the wide world now, on the M25, yeah. in, in something several steps down from a Sinclair C5. Yeah, that's pretty much. He's, he's, got his, he's got his suit on and his uh, shirt and tie. You know, he looks respectable. But he's in a go-kart. Um, he doesn't look respectable. He's in a go-kart. Uh, yeah. So, uh, he's, he, in the end, he's had to... There's a, a sort of a flower bed edging the, um, yeah. edge the, the car park. So he's had to aim for that and ended up in a... In a Bed of roses. Man, I like oh. what a rock and roller. Did he? he, he and and uh, no, I mean, did the cart? Did it survive it? Did he ever go on it again? Oh, do you know? He didn't know, but uh, I, I believe everyone was uh, sort of following him out, open mouthed, watching <laughs> him go. But that, that's uh, a beaut. Straight. See, watching someone go straight through the wall. Frank Spencer. <laughs> you know, Frank Spencer would have did his own stunts, and that is purely out of. <laughs> I mean, he should have had heaven. straw and a couple of chickens on his lap as he <laughs> came out well, the other side. I was thinking if it had been. An episode of Starsky and Hutch, there's always some boxes you oh, can go through yes. and scatter those. Oh, yeah, I was, Ian, I was watching um, and loads of us have, uh, sorry Ian, to detain you, I know it's, uh, you've been good enough to call us. Uh, people who email in, if you put a phone number, Phil will call you back uh, and then you get trapped like Ian. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I was watching a film that I last saw in about 1973 and when it came out in 71, I saw it in the pictures about eight times. Uh, it was The Omega Man with Charlton Heston. Now, I don't know if you know The Omega Man with Charlton Heston. It was remade as um, I Am Legend with Will Smith. Is oh, that the okay. last man on earth? I used to, that, Butch Cassidy and a few others, I just think, this is it. This is as far as film can go. Well, I watched it again the other day and it was the, the word bunkum and hokum. <laughs> yeah. a, a rich bunkum, rich hokum and it literally has boxes being knocked out of the way by runaway cars in it. Oh. It was... And here's it, just last thing, Ian, sorry. No, but strictly... It's about the last man on Earth, and I was always in awe of how they filmed these, long before CGI, these huge, expansive shots of Los Angeles and everywhere, but nobody in it. I always thought, well, that's... You know, they must have done it early in the morning or whatever. The first... When I watched it again after all these years, Ian, I watched... If you've got the Omega Man, watch it. 23 seconds in, fellow walking along the road behind him. 51 <laughs> seconds in, you can see loads of traffic out there on the freeway. 
It is the sloppiest last man on earth film ever made, and I'll stand by that. But Ian, bless you for even uh, uh, taking the time this morning without that powerhouse of a story. Bless you, oh, Ian. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, thank you for being on the treehouse. What you got over there, Peps? This is from um, Simon. Uh, a wedding dress story for ah, you. Ah, good. Coming up to my wife's 50th birthday, money was tight. I wanted to do something special for her. I hit upon an idea. I secretly contacted 50 people who had meant something to it, to her in her oh, life. Yeah. Old friends, new friends, family, old school friends, and asked them to send me a piece of material. Oh. It could be anything, as long as it was significant in some way. Perhaps from an old favourite or no longer worn skirt or top or hmm. whatever they liked. Then I would gather them all together and make a friendship quilt. People were amazing and I started getting lots of things too. Except they didn't send me a square, they sent me whole garments which I had to hide in a suitcase in case my wife started to think I was making some different choices. Anyway, I borrowed a sewing machine, cut a nice square from each and counted. 49. Oh no, I can't have 49 for a 50th birthday. Ah, I can put her in it. What's the point of a friendship quilt if she isn't on there too? Only one garment can fit the gravity of this event. No, he didn't. Her wedding dress. No, he didn't. What a beautiful thought. What Everyone a beautiful listening gesture. Is going, and oh, then... oh, Simon. Oh, Simon. When she was out, I got a pair of scissors from the kitchen drawer oh, and man. stole up into the loft. Oh, now, I'm no, no fool. I didn't take it from the centre of the bust no, or anything. my friend, it doesn't matter. I just found a place on the back that showed some of the silk and a little of the lace. Oh, Perfect. Man. A nice, neat... Nine-inch hole. <laughs> the day of her birthday, I was very excited and handed her the beautifully wrapped-up bundle. Oh. And she quickly unwrapped. She held up the quilt and her reaction was everything I hoped for. <laughs> Gasping and laughing with tears in her eyes until she spotted her square. The square from her own wedding dress. Her face, I've never... Her face did something I've never seen a face do before. It showed every expression all at once. <laughs> <laughs> you do go like a lava lamp, your mouth forms those... <laughs> I can't believe you cut my wedding dress. It's our 30th wedding anniversary next year. I wonder what I'll do for that. I'd like to hear more about that. Oh, I'd like Simon. to hear more about that. She, at least she found out at the time, though. There is that, because if oh. you, you don't want many years later <laughs> to say, kids, I'm going to go and put my wedding dress on. She will look, sit, I can still get into it, but you don't see at the back. <laughs> there is nine-inch square removed, and you come down, <laughs> and your rear end is exposed, and you have no idea as you walk around going, that's what I got married in. And your children and grandchildren you know? are going, oh, the old swinging 60s, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this is, uh, uh, this is from our friend Mark. Mark gets in touch with us, and... Uh, <laughs> We, we talked about uh, injuries uh, sustained due to pop stars. Mm. <laughs> but my mum suffered an injury due to a member of the royal family. That's what he says here. Mum, I wish to say that, that in his younger days, Prince Philip was rather dishy. Yes, he was, Prince Philip. Yes. yes. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. White blonde hair he looked like. Mm. Edgar Winter. Anyway, she worked in her late teens on the switchboard at Brook Marine Shipyard in Lowestoft. <laughs> And who was visiting once? Just Prince Philip on an official tour. Mum and her friends were rather excited to get a glimpse of this heartthrob. Her and her friend uh, ran from their switchboard room to join the crowds uh, awaiting HRH's walk around. As she sat down the pathway, along came Prince Gorgeous and he was about to walk towards her when she tripped and fell, cutting her leg. A few seconds later and Prince Philip would be walking on the very ground on which she was now lying. From nowhere, dozens of hands swiftly grabbed her and she was pulled to one side. Seconds later, the dashing prince breezed by. He didn't even acknowledge her. Oh. 
She saw the prince and she said he had very nice shoes. Thank you very much indeed, <laughs> there. That's from, from our friend Mark. I oh, know that's all she knows from Prince Philip. He had extremely nice shoes. Uh, just on that as well, perhaps before we move on. Mm. That's from Eddie. Parents acting out of character. And I love the way immediately he's morphed it. This relates more to a pe- parent acting in character rather than out of character. My mother, who passed away several years ago, was a very organised and structured Scottish lady. This has never been more in evidence than when we, her children, found some documents a few years ago she'd kept over the years. Mum had written down every year, from at least 1966 to 2013, every single Christmas and birthday present purchased for every single member of the family and friends. I have attached, he has, he's attached photographs of these endless lists. On top of this, we then found out she had listed every single Christmas card issued and received with a tick. What probably makes this fascinating is to look at the kind of things people gave as gifts mm. in the 60s and 70s and haven't thought about in decades. The lists I've attached include a paper mate pen set, a Wombles album, a Spirograph, a Jack in the Box, Tufty Annual 1970, Reader's Digest subscription, Holly Hobby Talc set. Oh. Holly Hobby. <laughs> Who's Holly Hobby? Holly Hobby was a, a character. Um, she had a big bonnet and a sort of paisley dress. Uh, very cutesy. Holly Hobby would p- appear on all sorts of things, oh. like, a, a, like a sort of seventies drawing of a of a little of a girl in a, a sort of a big frock. Bon- not like the uh, Quality Street woman. Similar, yeah, n- uh, like a young girl version of that sort of crinoline. Sort of like a uh, Phil. You remember? I'm looking through the glass. And was she? And was she uh, the Hello would, Kitty of her day. Phil, he Phil remember Holly. He was looking whimsical through the glass, so I thought he was recognising... Now, ask him to name people who didn't get into Marillion, he can tell you, but uh, Holly (laughs) Hobbit is not going to... Anyway, uh, the shoot annual and the lift goes on, along with other intriguing gifts, like carpet sweepers, tobacco sets and 50 pence, given as an actual gift in the mid-70s. Hey, 50p if you were sort of five years old. If my brother had given me 50 pence, I'd have said, what, you've been got the play, you couldn't actually get out and buy... (laughs) No, 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 you don't. Buy a firework. No, sell it taped into a card from a from a nan. Oh no, but that'd be a postal order. But uh, continue. Oh, true. That's what you uh, We got Michael on the phone. Hey, Michael. Hello, Danny. Oh, Hi, yeah, Michael. Let me ask you a question. And there's no nothing attached to this. Have you ever taken acid? <laughs> Have you ever dropped out? Yeah. You have? No, because we've had a discussion, you'll hear it on the thing, without any, you know... It, it, we haven't. No, but the thing is, me and Danny Kelly nearly did on a boat in the Norfolk Broads, and you can hear about oh, that. Oh, right. we nearly did, because we think it's, as Peps used the word earlier, incurious to go through this <laughs> veil of tears without going into the false... Mm. Now, a lot of people can say, hey, hey, don't joke, I'm not... I'm, this is purely... Uh, this will be self-harm. Or I may, as I say, turn into a guru. Uh, I'm impressed you on it. How, how old were you? when you did, did acid? Oh, 20s, early 20s? Yeah, my brother did in the old Kent Road. Um, mm. my lo- and, and he explained to me, we'll get straight on to it in a second. His name is Michael, by the way. Mm. Uh, and, uh, oh, yes, I know, yeah. He, he, um, and he said that all the, the first effect he had of it when he did it in the old Kent Road, not necessarily a soothing place, uh, was all the street mm-hmm. lamps, it was at night, and all the street lights like Dali, melted and bowed down like uh, like giraffes' necks and all came to rest in the middle of the road. And he said, and that's why you see, he said, you're perfectly in control, but that's why you see people on acid staring so... Because you think, oh, that's not... We, that That's actually happening. And then he got in a little tiny phone box to ring a cab to go home. He said it was... We used it in the series. It was about a foot high, but he knew it wasn't, and he got in it. 
and he became laughing uncontrollably because he thought, I'm in a little tiny phone box. He said, and that's why you see people on acid giggling. Now, did you have, as they say, a good trip or a bad trip? Um, good and bad. And it's strangely enough, there was a lamppost involved in the first time. It was um, hmm. me and the, the friends who took it. Hmm. We were, yeah, as you say, staring up at one of the orange street lamps, mm-hmm. just wondering how, how this wonderful thing how could happen. exist. How did it happen, man? You know, street lamps, man, electricity, man. It's a real thing, man. <laughs> electricity, man. You yeah. Think about it. You can't, you know, it's there, man. It can kill you, it can give you life, man. Uh, uh, but uh, anyway, I, I kind of envy you that, and I'm sorry if other people are saying, can we move on from hallucinogenics? But it was legal up until like, mm. 1968. I've never even smoked a cigarette, yeah. so I'm so far beyond. I've never smoked a cigarette. <laughs> no, I never. Uh, I must say, during the uh, punk era, I took a a little amphetamine. And if you can imagine me on speed, well done. I'm sorry, Michael, you've been good enough to call us. Uh, and what, what is it about? It was the Hadrian's Wall thing. Oh, Hadrian's Wall. We, we wondered why it was Episodes so easy, easy. You can just put one hand on it and hop over it. How could it have kept the Picts at bay? So what do you can tell us about it? Because it was originally about 20 foot high and 10 foot wide. Oh, ten foot wide, you walk around it. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry? Uh, we could walk around it if it's ten feet wide. That's hardly <laughs> a border, is it? No, no, no. It's ten foot wide, but goes all the way from one coast of the country right across to the deep. other. So ten foot. Oh, deep. So what happened to it? border. What happened to it? Um, I think they abandoned it. It was nearly two thousand years ago, mm. <laughs> and the, when the Romans abandoned it, mm. the locals all thought it was a lovely free supply of building materials here, and they oh. sort of dismantled large portions of it and built roads and, and, and houses and, and things out of it. So it was, quite a lot of houses. So it, was, it, 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 it really was. Is, is there any part of it that's still 20 feet high? Did they do a pretty level job? No. No, I've, I mean, I've, I'm not an expert on it. I've been, I've been there a couple of times no. and read up a few bits about it. But, um, yeah, it was certainly a lot. It had about it had fortresses all along it of significant size. Uh, uh, as, um, as you know, I, 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 anyone who takes time up to it, a day to you know, get in touch with us on the phones on this, but here I am being asked to believe that Hadrian's Wall was once 20 feet higher by a man who says yeah. I'm not an expert on it, and, and has taken acid acid in his time. I'm just thinking, in court, it would be very easy to say, dismiss this witness. Um, you, you've been and seen the real thing, have you? Oh, yes, yes, I've walked, walked on top of it, and oh. uh, we actually stayed at a bed and breakfast that was built on the foundation of the one part. Is it? We were actually sleeping on a portion of the Hadrian's Wall, yeah. You haven't seen the Great Wall of China, because the, the, you can see oh, the yeah, moon, that's, you that's can see the moon else. from the Great Wall of China. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. You've never seen that? Um... I've seen pictures of this. Yeah, no, I've always wanted to walk, uh, walk the wall, possibly, while out of my mind mm. on hallucinogenics. Mm. Uh, uh, so, uh, anything else you can tell us about Adrian's Wall? Um, oh, there was another wall built further north of it. Was there? Um, some years later, the Antonine Wall. Um, it was a, where Scotland goes skinny in the middle. Oh, yeah. It, a, a, a different emperor after Hadrian built another wall, and um, it, nowadays it looks more... That, that one really does look... But what, 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 so like so what, was, what was the area between the two walls? <laughs> Um, Michael's regretting calling up, pretending to know about this. Sort of a a 
above Glasgow and Edinburgh, where yeah, but... the Cadian's Wall is below Glasgow yeah. and Edinburgh. And, and was that sort of a separate kingdom between the two walls? Because it seems like anyone could it... get themselves some a hod and some bricks and make their own country if this is the way they used to behave. Well, see, the thing is, I, I had no idea that it was 20 feet high, and I've never read that, and if nothing else, Mark, you've, mm. you've brought us that. Uh, you don't think you're having some kind of flashback at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Was it, was it just... Thought, what... Was it just a one-off, this um, uh, dropping acid? Um, I think there was three times, and as I say, it was um, sometimes good and sometimes bad. Mm. If you're left on your own, mm. um, and all your friends go home, and suddenly you're, you're wide awake all night. And it was Buddy Holly that got me through the night. I'd bought an album that day. <laughs> all yeah. kit, and yeah. I played it constantly. On Did you? All it, night, kept turning it over and listening to it, and it, it just calmed me down. And, and... The, 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 the Grateful Dead get all the heat for this. They say, oh, man, you, <laughs> you never hear Buddy Holly getting that. Well, so, I'm sorry to pressure on no. this, because you were good enough to give us the Hadrian Wall stuff, but uh, uh, what year are we talking about? Um, gosh, uh, the eight, mid-'80s, I, I suppose. Well, that speaks volumes yeah. for you. Not only did you, are you adventurous in terms of uh, psychedelics, but you turned to Buddy Holly in the-'80s, when very many people <laughs> wouldn't have done. Oh, no. Uh, 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 no, I was already a big fan of Buddy Holly, but uh, this particular album had some rare tracks on, on um, previously unreleased and things like that. Of, well, of, um, bless you, and thank you, Mark. After he died. But... No, but, but, of course, he'd be the first to admit it, but thank you very much indeed. That was only this uh, week, wasn't Michael? it, the anniversary Was it really? Uh, oh, is it really? Yeah. OK, well, there we uh, go. all right. But he, he only, well, if you read David Hepworth's book about it, uh, it's, it's a tremendous uh, insight into why he should never have been on the plane. He was only going to get his washing done, his laundry done, ahead of the gig. But oh. thank you, Michael, bless you, oh. and thank you very much for putting up with my distractions. What you got there, Peps? Well, you mentioned the Great Wall of China. we got Dan, who's from China, who's emailed in. Just he's to... from China? Well, he's living in China. Oh, good for him. In Suzhou. Uh-huh. And I hope he's not in... He might be in lockdown now, probably. Poor old Dan. He sent this at that week ago. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, great to have you back. I was pleased to find the podcast last week before I got on a flight. Thank you. I hadn't been sleeping well and was looking forward to listening to the podcast and as predicted, five minutes into the fight, flight, I fell asleep listening to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> I was woken hurriedly to a sound of a warning siren. It terrified me. Oh. The plane was going down. This was it, the last moments before my death. Oh. As I looked around, though, everyone else was calm, but still the sound was going. Then I realised it was the sirens on your pod and it was, was panic it really? over. Oh, well, that's a beautiful thing to do. The doorbell thing that I'll uh, reintroduce. I might have it with me now. I've got a doorbell sound that uh, is sounds exactly like a... I mean, <laughs> you've got all these ones, you see. But that doesn't that hasn't worked since 1948. I was going to say, that's not fooling anyone. No, uh, I'll think of this one. Again. Closer. 70s and 80s. That's an 80s sort of trim phone. Hang on. Oh, I'm at my nan's house. Listen to it. Seven, three, four, four, one. Hang on, what's it? Dun, dun. Dining the moon. And that, 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 then you get the... When you used to be angry, now you, you push the buttons really hard. Yes. You push the buttons really hard. Then you used to try and bring the dialer back fast. Get, <laughs> get your finger in it and push it back fast. I can't wait to get through. Uh, anyway, when I find the doorbell, that really will uh, uh, confuse the nation. Something else, Peps. Um, raffle prizes you didn't want to win. This is from Craig. An entry <laughs> from this last weekend. A local village charity quiz night where the raffle was £5 a strip. 
The couple on our table won an old faux leather wallet that had once housed a restaurant menu. Oh, I th- yes, I saw. I wonder what that photo was. It just, yeah, it's just the empty pages of a, <laughs> a restaurant menu. Lucky to get it. Lucky to get it. Uh, this is uh, things people won't let you forget in the family. Mm. Uh, my dad uh, had a glass of uh, had a glass of red wine, one of those big ones you can fit a lot in, and he knocked it over on the floor where he was sitting. How he managed to knock over the glass and onto a cupboard with red wine everywhere, uh, we could never found out. But he wasn't happy, and dashed, we were dashing around to mop up all the red wine over the cupboard, over the floor. He ran out and brought back a bottle of white wine and to pour on top of the red oh, wine to get the stain out. The, yeah. But as he started pouring the white wine, what he'd forgotten is that he'd put red wine in that white wine <laughs> bottle to secure it and was pouring more red wine on the carpet. My mum asked me to leave the room as I was not helping the situation. You're pouring more red wine on it. This story does get brought up from time to time, says Laura, with my dad saying, whenever it's mentioned, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Laura. So quick there, Peps, and we're done, I think. the last one from Roger. The pluses and minuses of your parents' jobs. So, um, a lot of the ones that have been sent in have been mainly minuses, but this is a real plus. Back in the 70s, my parents owned a small retail business in Dunstable. My dad caved into the relentless pressure from the town cinema and booked a regular advert for their grocery store in the comments magazine. Mum and Dad had no interest in going to watch films, so I was given the free pass that they were given in return for placing an advert in their magazine. Two or three times a week I went to the flicks. I could have been Barry Norman. How about that? That's a beautiful bonus. Yes, I mean, don't have to look down. You can always look up because uh, we're here just to counterbalance the wicked world and uh, try to be a good deed within it. So it's flown by and look, flown by and look. Look at that lot. It's unread and over there. I promise you, if you have got in touch with us uh, at night's frustrated, we're going to get round to these because we intend to be here for quite some time mm-hmm. with our adverts and everything <laughs> because... Good morning everybody, it's the Danny Baker Show, radiating out across the airwaves Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train, we'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away, what better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two, don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession on the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. Always do, Wisby. Listen to that. Best gavels in town. You be the judge. One, two, three, four. Tree Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. In the the fire's on, it's warm inside We guarantee you'll be satisfied As we laugh the day away In the tree Take it away, Danny! Always do, Wisby. Thank you very much, Louise Pepper, co-hosting the show. Phil Wilding through there with Josh and all the people at Something Else who enable us to have this platform, but mainly and always chiefly yourselves. This Walter of great correspondents we're working our way through. By all means, add to it. You can email us, thetreehouse at somethingelse.com. Leave a phone number and we call you back. You can see what fun that is. See you next time at the Saturday. time on the treehouse the most frightfully posh thing that's ever happened do animals understand music and bizarre items someone brought into work (laughs) 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.